Greetings ladies and gentlemen. Today I'm happy to say we continue our tour of the Bible books and we're about to search the scriptures of the sensational 2nd Samuel. Straight into the story we go and sadly we begin with bad news travelling fast and the messenger still has Saul's blood on his hands which in turn quickly brings blood upon his own head. How the mighty have fallen, swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. David expresses his emotions about Saul, the man he most feared, and Jonathan, the man he most loved. In sorrow and song, he shows the value of their lives and the impact of their deaths. As David mourns, so the bereaved nation joins in with worry and woe about their future fate. But before long, it's time to move on, and David is directed to Judah by Jehovah. Meanwhile, the house of Saul want to see David fall, and a civil war for the throne of Israel ignites. What follows is a heated encounter between rivals Abner and Joab. What began in sport ended in blood. Equally matched, all the men involved end up equally dead. As Abner scrams, he snuffs out his rival's relative, who refuses to stop running. And from Abner killing, to Abner being killed. Joab murders him in the gate, which in turn makes David irate. As David's anger burns hot, in the heat of the day some home invading hooligans slaughter Saul's seed, only to find out what goes around comes around, and David's up in arms as he cuts off their hands. Next anointed head of state, King David relocates. Jerusalem is the jackpot, and the king and his mighty men hit it hard. With the city conquered, they go to war and show the Philistines what for. The Ark of God returns, but hits a bump in the road, when it's treated like a common thing and carried in a cart. A man pays the price when he touches it without thinking twice. So, with lessons learned, they fetch the chest and pitch a tent where it would rest. David delights and dances for all to see, but his wife's not as happy as he thought she'd be. Oh yes the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Like father, like Saul's daughter. Her bitterness blinded her and she died angry, annoyed and alone. On the other hand, David and Nathan are having a good time and come up with a good idea. But it wasn't God's idea and the planned project was pushed back to a greater son who was to come. Besides, the king has his hands full with doing what Saul didn't do and clearing the country of invaders was a full-time job. With things going well, it looks like David loses his appetite for the job and stays at home with his feet up. That is, until he takes a rooftop moonlit walk. What follows David a-gazing, Bathsheba bathing, are blockbuster betrayals and backstabbing that conclude with cold and calculating cover-ups. But with God, clean hearts are always available for the asking and David desires another go at getting it right. From clean heart to heartache in the home, and focus now falls upon the family of David. Strife, struggle and suffering all follow the birth of Solomon. A bad friend gives a bad advice, and Absalom hates Amnon as Amnon hated Tamar. David fails to act and his silence is deafening. But the willful and wild Absalom has combined a cold serial killer stare with the patience of a saint and he waits two years to strike in the sheep-shearing season, suddenly stabbing his hated sibling. With a dire deadly deed done, he goes away, hoping to come back another day. But when David heard what had occurred, clashing loyalties inward stirred, loving the killer, missing the dead, all the while 
Absalom is fled. Joab gets involved and intercedes. Using a wise woman parable, he kind of succeeds. In half forgiveness, Absalom is allowed back to his home, but his father's face will have to be replaced because the conflicted king refuses to behold his beloved boy. Absalom's body may show no blemish, but his mind is all bruised and sore. Restored to the palace, he aims to be on the throne, and he stole the hearts to seize the kingdom. David flees and Absalom's advisor puts his home in order and hangs himself when he sees the writing on the wall. With war raging, David directs everyone to deal gently with a rebel renegade. But disloyal Joab stabbed both him and Absalom in the heart and blew the trumpet due to depart. Absalom's dead, laid to rest, a pile of stones is permanent address. With wailing and weeping, wishing it was the other way around, the father king cries. As his army is in triumph, he is in tears. But a right royal dressing down from Joab picks him up and as he sits in the gate, he plans to demote the disloyal slayer who slaughtered his son. What follows is a collection and selection of fierce people and fiercer battles, all until the last words and works of David. So we have reached the end of 2 Samuel. The next time we meet like this, we shall be cracking open the Book of Kings. But until then, 2 Samuel is indeed a gripping and absorbing, colourful canvas of crazy characters, circumstances and consequences. From late night parties to early morning murders, with vanity, violence, vengeance and plenty of finger pointing in between. This brilliant biblical book reads as if it could have been written yesterday. It exposes the emptiness of envious eyes and warns the wandering and wayward that not all advice is good advice. With fanfare and fireworks, Second Samuel shows us that it's the little things that makes the difference. And for both the swift and the stumbling, God is there. Lastly, the message to all men is given that salvation full and free is only found for a relationship with Christ the way, Jesus the prize. It's true that in this life you can't be friends with everyone, but everyone can be friends with God. The question is, how is our friendship going with him? The answer? Well, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs>